district of prostitutes and bars uh, in the Soho district, uh, the Soho Theater, where comedy is pervade every night of the week, and uh, rather dodgy wine is served as well, and I hope you're enjoying that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yay! Uh, once again, we convene and hope that our, our minds join and that we can find solace in each other's company as this cruel and wicked world keeps on spinning round and round without any regard to our personal feelings, and this is the one time we try to make it stop and see if we can make ourselves count for just but a few brief moments here, and I've received so many lovely gifts here tonight, and there's so much to get through tonight, we really don't have time for tonight's show. Uh, I'm joking, of course. I've received loads of gifts here. U- Utalia, was that your name? No. I hope you heard that response on the mic. In the room, it was fantastic. She went, no. Italia, you're a straight cat, are you not? And you've wandered in here tonight. What, how do you say your name, pumpkin? Utilia. Utilia, forgive me. Uh, and you're Swedish, are you not? Ah, but you live in Denmark? No, I live in here. You live in here. (laughs) So do I. I live in the back room right there. It's wild. Uh, You live here in London, then. That's groovy. But your mother lives in, uh, uh, not in the southern part of Sweden, you said? Yes. Yes. Uh, And what's the name of the town your mother lives in? Landstuna. Landstuna. I'm terrible at pronouncing words that I don't understand the meaning of. Uh, that's fantastic. And, uh, is, and what is your mother's name, Utilia? Are you, are you fucking with me now? No, that's fantastic. I, I, will you say your name again? Utilia. No, your name is Utilia. We've established that. Your, your mother's name was? The, oh, Vivica. Oh, that was easy. See, it was the accent that intimidated me. I thought it was more like me or whatever. And it's, it's, it's Vivica, as we would say here in England. Because as you know, English people are resolute uh, in uh, two things. One, uh, making sure that all foreigners feel unwelcome. And two, <laughs> thank you. You see, the, 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 the point of England is that it's an island. And... Uh, even though there's been people here from all over, and in fact, if the Vikings had never got here and the French had never come over, uh, people would still be painted blue with their ass hanging out on the island. Uh, they want to make sure that there's this thing called being English and Englishness and all that jazz, uh, even though there have been black people here since time fucking began, and Vikings and uh, every other manner of uh, foreigner and whatnot. Ne- never mind the Picts and the Angles and the Celts. The Angles, how did they walk? Were they always bent over? Um, hi, I'm an Angle. Uh, I'm a pick. Stop it. I'm a pick. Stop it. I'm a pick. Stop it. It'll never heal. Um, they, uh, they tend to make, uh, they'll, they'll say, oh, and where are you from? Because English people only have two accents, according to me. World War I Toff and Bab Cockney from a 60s gangster movie. Because those are the only two accents I can do. Uh, and I don't do them very well. Uh, so say, oh, and where have you come from? And I, uh, California. And I say, mm-hmm. 
Yes, uh, well, uh, uh, it's a bit warmer there. Is it? Mm-hmm. So how are you finding the weather here? And I'm like, well, you go outside and there it is. And they're like, uh, oh, I see you're using sarcasm, are you? Well, uh, well done. Well done for an American. Look at you. Next, next thing you'll be using irony. Mm. Why do you guys think you invented irony? Is, is it because you live in a place that's shit and you think it's shit? That's not ironic. That's depression. That's depression. It's not irony. It would be ironic if it was Italy and you thought it was shit. Do you understand that? Anyway, Utilia uh, brought me this bottle uh, that her mother, Vivica, made of uh, uh, a, a Swedish liquor, uh, so she claims. And uh, it's, it's astounding smelling. I'm just going to let some people here smell it because you've got to... Uh, you get, would you relax, pumpkin butter? Are you on Molly or something? Because you're talking. You're giving voice to your every thought. Here, smell this, will you? Uh, medicinal. Medicinal. I love medicinal. The thing about medicinal is you can always depend on it. What does Matt Dillon say in Drugstore Cowboy? Um, you knew what was going to happen. You knew how you are going to feel when you took the drugs because the effects were clearly written on the label. Um, and the crowd goes quiet and gives a very, very concerned laugh on that one. What do we call this alcohol, Utilia? I don't know. So your mother just cooks this up in the sink, does she? Back where I come from, uh, in America, we have a show called Breaking Bad. And um, on that show, a lot of stuff's made up in the sink, Utilia. But it's usually not brown and smells like medicine. But uh, do, there's no na- Is this a, a native drink to Sweden, then? Finnish. Finnish? Oh, I can't drink all of it. victory dance for every pun that I throw out. It's Finnish. It's a Finnish drink. Well, I was in Finland. Uh, this year, Swami, if you will. Uh, what is it? Danska, Nordska, Swedska, and Swami. Uh, I was in Swami, and I wasn't offered any of this. I did eat some of those little fish that they eat with loads of mayonnaise on them. Uh, someone just went, ugh. Ugh. Well, I admit that it's not as good as, like, say, Winkles. Or, or jellied eels, or some of the Amazing shit you people get up to here. Really? You think other countries have lucky food? This is England, you guys. You know what they used to say in the old joke? When you get to hell, the Germans are policemen and the English are the cooks. (laughs) Well, there you are. Skull. Oh, my God. That's fascinating. You know, there's a sweet aftertaste. First, there's a, a almost psychedelic burnt leaf feeling. Uh, and, and then the medicinal thing goes down. And there's a slight kind of magic mushroom tang to it. You know what I mean? Like, if you've ever taken psilocybin, and I assume because you're here, you have, um, you'll know that, oh, my God, the aftertaste. I feel as if Lassi Viren, the famous 10,000-meter runner from Finland, has trod across my mouth in his stocking feet. After running the 10,000, uh, the initial hit on this is uh, pretty intense. And then afterward, it's kind of sweet and uh, almost like whiskey, almost like a Telemore Dew or Lafroig or what's that other, uh, Talisker? You know, the real smoky, peaty, uh, what are those called, single malts? I don't know much about whiskey. There's two things I don't know anything about. Uh, scotch, yes, thank you. Someone in the back went, scotch! Yes, yes, whiskey, scotch, whiskey, uh, I don't, I don't know about whiskey that much because I don't drink the whiskey that much. Vodka's my, uh, uh, my... Ooh, hi there. 
You little rascal, don't you ever hide from me again. Wash away the pain of the finished drink. Um, it's not painful, it's good, it's really nice. I'm gonna have one more quick hit. How much proof is this, by the way? Is, am I drinking something that later I'm gonna be on a boat leading a crew of men? Am I gonna end up in Greenland before the night's over? And then two weeks later, I'm in Canada and I'm having sex with an animal and I'm like, what the fuck? And everybody's like, you're our leader! And I'm like, I'm not. The effects wore off. I don't know what I'm doing here. My tie's wet. I'm wet. We will call this poop land. Mm. Am, I, am I drinking something that's unbelievably strong and I shouldn't really have a lot more? Well. There's a Scandinavian answer. That's why Scandinavia gives out the peace prize, baby. Because they're diplo-fucking-matic. I said, am I going to get too high from drinking this? And she went, well... Is it alcohol or is there drugs in here? No, yeah, no. No, yeah, no. Wow. That's not even a double negative. That's a double negative with a positive thrown in the middle of it to confuse me. What a confounding yes that was. No, yeah, no, well... Thank you very much, Owika. And uh, I appreciate uvula. I, I... Thank you for that. It's not that bad. Does anyone want to hit? You. Does anyone have an empty glass? Right? Interesting, exactly. The first, but then in a second after you... Oh, she's tasting it now. Yeah, she almost made the kind of the, the barfy motion. But now, in a minute though, after you breathe, breathe for a second. Breathe it in. Oh, now we're all drinking it at the table. I've, I've started an elf cult here. Why don't you have some of this? And then you will be like we are. I will take you through the caves of Mordor, but no further. Fuck it, this is all right. Oh, Langor, la la la. Gentlemen, it's not sexual violation if you're wearing a helmet. Try to spare the narwhals. I just want to know that I can drink it. What do you think now? Freaky, right? What are you drinking? What were you drinking anyway? Lager? You're English. What were you drinking? What was it? You were drinking Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels? Were y'all from Tennessee and shit? Oh, uh, yeah, you, you, you've been taken in by the giant billboards that are in the tube. Everywhere you, everywhere you take the tube in London. Like, in, in America, they, don't, they advertise Jack Daniels. So there's ads on TV and shit like that. And it's always... And then, like, a truck rolls by and shit. And then some old redneck who doesn't have a gun strapped to his back walks up to a cask and taps it or something. And they go, here on the farm... There's two things they never have. Black people. And respect for women's rights. That's where Jack Daniels comes in. Just about the time you got thinking everyone should be treated the same, a couple of cups of Jack Daniels puts you right back where you need to be. Get off my fucking property! You're thinking about taking your M16 down to the Taco Bell to show everyone that you love freedom. It's time for a hearty glass of Jack Daniels. 
There's billboards in every uh, subway station in London with a big Jack Daniels sign, and it's always a guy relaxing in front of a cask or uh, some sort of bucolic country scene where there's a horse who isn't being violated. And yeah, I'm, I've never developed a taste for Jack Daniels. Evidently, that was Frank Sinatra's drink, right? He drank Jack Daniels uh, straight. He was buried with a bottle of Jack Daniels, really, or in a bottle of Jack Daniels. I would like to be buried in a bottle of vodka. He, he had a hip flask of Jack with him. Wow. They also supposedly had a rule, and I don't know if it's true, the Rat Pack. You, you could light up smokes as much as you wanted, but you weren't supposed to smoke it down to the butt because that meant you were too drunk. And before the show, they didn't wear their pants. I wear my pants, I mean the trousers. Let's clear everything up because we're in England. People listening in America are like, pants, yes. And then, if I'd said it in America, I would have said it like this. Uh, they didn't wear their underpants. I don't wear my underpants before the show. Um, Trousers, uh, they would take off their tuxedo pants and hang them up and then put them on right before they went on stage, right over their shoes, so that they wouldn't mar the crease. Uh, but they were, had, what, uh, three drags, was it? And then you had to put it out, right? And you weren't supposed to be real drunk around Frank. If you were like slurring and shit, Frank, this is fucking my way. I was like, ah. you're Clyde, and you can fucking beat it. Uh, that's what Frank called people that were uncool, Clydes. Frank Sinatra was a singer. <laughs> Paolo... Spin a, spin a Frank Sinatra jam if you got one in there. Paolo, are we, st are we still speaking? Paolo? I'm not hallucinating, right? Because I've just drank four ounces of brown liquid from a woman I don't know who claims her mother made it in a city in Sweden that there is no precedent for, nor can I find it on Google Maps. I've been searching for the fucking city she said for, on Google Maps for five minutes now and there is no fucking city. And her mother isn't named Vivica. I know her mother. I'm joking. I don't know anybody here. I, I've had a lot to drink. And, uh, it, Paolo, any Frank there on the iPod? Paolo's gone now. He's supposed to be recording the show, but evidently not tonight. Paolo, do you have a mic back there or anything? No. Evidently not. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars Let me see what spring is like On Jupiter and Mars In other words Hold my hand Baby, kiss me In other um, words Take that down a little bit And we'll keep talking over it Baby, kiss me uh, Fill my heart with song. Someone give me this one. Uh, Royzen? Oh, Russian. Is this you? Oh, hi, darling. Dear Greg, these are for you when you're high and need something sugary and full of E numbers. What does that mean? Oh, right. All the oh, E numbers. Yes, I see what you mean. Oh, my God. Artificial goodness. The list of ingredients on the back of this is like the fucking Domesday book. Seriously, this is like the Shanghai Telephone Directory. I'm just going to read it. Oh my God, first it's in Cyrillic. Where did you buy this, here in England? You can't remember and you're too drunk. Midstholbar til Ogmed says one of the things. There's no English, there's lots of Cyrillic. Somewhere there is English, but not on this label. Oh, I found the word salt. It has 0.4 grams of salt per serving. Yeah, yeah I'm, let me do my show and shut the fuck up. 
stop giving me orders and shit. Just drink and then pass out in your own vomit. Here we go. Here we go. Produced in Belgium. That's what it says. No wonder it's in Belgium. Uh, and there's not hardly any English on it at all. These look very good. Thank you. I'll take them with me to Belgium tomorrow. I appreciate that, Roisin. Uh, very, very kind of you. I've also received another gift here. Uh, what was your name, young lady, who gave me this? You're going to have to turn the Frank down. I can't hear shit. What was your name? Paula. Thank you. Uh, she gave me a bottle of vodka. You gave me one last time, too, did you not? And I claim that it was uh, some off-brand of vodka. The, how do you pronounce the name of this one? It's K. Oh, my goodness, that letter. It, it's either an L with a Cyrillic cross through it or a T that's on strike. It's, it's a T that's reclining. K-T-O-S-O with a, with a grave. W-K-A. How would you say that? That's tremendous. Yes, Polish, yes. Klawuska. Uh and what is the what is the uh, uh, the sea creature that's floating in there? Some kind of wheat. You know, the ocean is full of wheat, and it's my favorite flavor of ocean creature, wheat. This has a lot of Polish on it too. Here it is. Uh, it's wheat ear vodka is made from the best quality, four times distilled neutral cereal spirit. A selected wheat ears are macinerated in vodka. I've never even seen that word. That's fantastic. M-A-C-E-R, ashened, Moser ashened, into vodka and put in every bottle a maximum purified spirit and wheat ear give this vodka an original light pale color and a smooth as well as the organic fragrance of a ripe cereal. Yeah. I'm not opening this, uh, although later I will. Uh, thank you very much for this. How do you say thank you in Polish? You've forgotten? <laughs> I don't want to say spasiba because that would be a Russian thing and then you'd be like, fuck you, they killed my mom and whatnot. <laughs> I've done that before. I li- I'm from San Francisco and I live in L.A. and there's loads of Russians in San Francisco and L.A. When you get in a cab in L.A. or in San Francisco, you can go, uh, spasiba, and they'll go, right? Or you go, oh, over here, and they go, spasiba. Uh, but I've, I've gone up to Lithuanians and Belarusians and said spasiba and they're like, I'm from Belarus. And you're like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your grandmother in the tank. <laughs> they are separate countries and they are not the same. And my wife's always on my ass. She's like, don't say fucking spasiba. You don't know where they're fucking from. And I'm like, they're Russian. I have an ear like Sherlock Holmes. I know which gulag they're from. Have we figured out how to say thank you in Polish? Dzięki? Dzięki? That's fantastic. Jenky. And how would you say cheers then? Uh, no, nastrovia. Well, all right. Glasnost. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, darling. That was very kind of you. So, so many gifts, and I'm overwhelmed. Uh, Josephine has given me a gift here called 101 Alternatives to Suicide for Teens, Freaks, and Other Outlaws by Kate Bornstein. It's called Hello, Cruel World. Uh, let's just say here. Do whatever you need. Oh, get out of hell free card. Like Monopoly. It's the Monopoly man, but he has no face. And he's flying out of a cage. And it says, do whatever you need. Cock, I can't read. Do whatever you... Oh my God, I can only see my giant sweating head now. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That's what my head looks like in this bottle. I am Oz. The great and powerful. I am Dorothy the meek and mild. Silence, whippersnapper. 
do whatever you need or want to do. This is like a punk lyric. This is Eddie and the Hot Rods. I'm tired of working day jobs with no thanks for what I do. Do whatever you need or want to do in order to make life worth living. Love who and how you want to love. Just don't be mean. Should you get sent to hell for doing something that isn't mean to someone, I'll do your time in hell for you. Kiss, kiss, Kate. Oh, that is so... That, Kate Bornstein gave that with the book. That is so nice. Thank you, Josephine, for that. Uh, someone say stop. stop. There we go. Uh, as I said, it's 101 Alternatives to Suicide. We had a, a, a wonderful comedian and a leading light in the world and someone who spread magic everywhere they went uh, take their own life this year. I'm talking, of course, about Robin Williams. He was a, a person that I knew. I would like to say he was a friend. Uh, we weren't... Uh, uh, mates that ran together, but I knew him for a good long time, and we did lots of gigs together, and he was a lovely individual. And as I said after that show, if you're thinking about it, um, don't think about it. Go outside, take a walk, eat an apple, call a friend, do something. Um, Satchel Page said, find another way when a life gets you down. We've all felt hideous, horrible, grinding, uh, suffocating, uh, asphyxiating depression. I'm sure everyone in this room, because I can, I can except for the people who are from Europe, um, <laughs> who probably live their lives each day and don't give a fuck. Uh, <laughs> If you're from Poland or Scandinavia, you're like, no, life's good. Uh, if you're from England, you wake up in the morning like, fucking rain. <laughs> and then if you wake up one day, mm, fucking wind. It doesn't really matter here in England. It doesn't matter what it is. People here are determined to be depressed. Well, I mean, who can blame you? You get up in the morning and David Cameron's on TV. You're like, mm, whatever. Um, but it's a national characteristic of the English. They can take victory and snatch defeat from the jaws of it. <laughs> Uh, Here they call it being eccentric Um, Everyone else they call it being English Uh, In any case, number 13 We landed on lucky 13 here And it says, number 13, ask for help One of the greatest things about asking for help Is that you might actually get some My wife was telling me to do this today, in fact She was saying it's called the Benjamin Franklin um, theory or the Benjamin Franklin clause or whatever. Benjamin Franklin, uh, the great American uh, uh, statesman and scientist and who chased chicks with something close to a fervency, uh, <laughs> was a, a self-made person and was poor. He was blue-collar, believe it or not, and he, he came from Boston, and he, then he went to Philadelphia, and he formed a group called Junto, uh, or Junto, if you will, uh, which was a bunch of other like-minded intellectual poor people, and they uh, cabaled, and they wrote things together, and Benjamin Franklin, of course, ended up being an ambassador and uh, a, a giant statesman and one of the architects of uh, Na- uh, America's independence, and he was the one who, I've, I've said it on the show before, uh, when they got set down, uh, they were signed the Declaration of Independence on July 2nd, not July 4th, and um, they, all, they each took the pen in hand, right? And mind you, they were all white guys. Uh, it wasn't like America was founded by a... But okay, there was a couple poor people there. Benjamin Franklin at that point was in his 70s. He wasn't poor anymore. Uh, it wasn't like they let a bunch of slaves write the Declaration of Independence. That's irony. Um, <laughs> if slaves, it's, in any case, uh, he, he signed it, and when he signed it, he looked up at everyone and said, if we do not hang together, we shall most assuredly hang separately. <laughs> Uh, which was a morbid joke he made because the English were certain to uh, kill them all uh, and didn't manage to do so. Uh, but he, his theory was, if you ask people to help you, they're in your debt. And if you ask people that are your enemies to help you, then it absolves them from being your enemy and they no longer are because they see you as someone that they need to help. And I think it's a very interesting theory and one that I intend on putting to the test quite soon. Uh, not tonight, perhaps, but uh, uh, very soon. I uh, am uh, the kind of person who... Uh, I, I have depression, and uh, uh, I, I get really down about things, and I think, oh, fuck it. You know, why should I bother anymore? Uh, I, you know, I'm this good-looking, and I'm this funny, and no one cares. And um, I'm joking, of course. Jesus Christ, you guys. Fucking comedy show and shit. 
then why are you talking about something so serious? Because I think it's important. Uh, and but also, uh, I, I'm I'm real hesitant to ask people for help. I really am. I don't I don't I don't even like to ask the people I'm paying to help me to help me, uh, because I'm fussy and finicky and shit like that. And my idea of a good time is to sit at home alone uh, and have a sponge inside me. So. <laughs> Obviously, I'm social, but uh, in, uh, inside every extrovert is a shy person waiting to break out and sit in a corner. Uh, but I'm speaking to the people who are depressed, and I want you to know this. And, and even with trusted people in our lives, it may still be difficult to do. Fucking A, Josephine. Because for some reason, we don't often feel good about asking for help. But turning to others for comfort and guidance is a necessary part of life. If you've got a friend, lover, or family member you can turn to, do it. If you don't have someone like that, take a look right now at number 47. Let's have a look at 47. I do have a, a friend and a lover and a wife. Uh, and th- they are three of the nicest guys. <laughs> Find a friend. You can do it. Finding a friend is like finding anything else. You just keep looking until someone shows up in your life who's genuinely glad to see you. Then you take a deep breath, open up, and let someone in at whatever level of friendship makes you both comfortable. I am so excited to read this in England. Yeah. Because... If there was ever a country that needed number 47. <laughs> Aren't you coming down kind of hard on us here tonight? We've all showed up on a school night. We have to get home and shit like that. We've given you all these gifts. We've lavished you with drugs and cookies and, and, and bottled um, uh, witch's brew from Helsinki and whatnot. And, uh, and, and, then the, and then all you say is that we're closed off and, and unemotionally available to anyone in our lives. Um, you know how you are. <laughs> Uh, I can't remember what show it was, but I remember it was like, uh, uh, was it a World War I show? Jennifer was watching it years ago. And they, they get the news on the phone that their son is dead. And they can't react. They put it on the phone and like, the son is dead. And the dad goes, damn the way we are. <laughs> I always remember that one. Um, and it's true. Uh, English people, are, I find, are not easy friends uh, because you've got to know them for a long time. As I've said before on the show, I lived in London for five years. Um, there was a guy who sold flowers at the end of our street and every day I walked by him and went, hi, how are you? And he went, mm. Three years after living there, he went, you're right. And I went, are you talking to me? And he's like, yeah, you fucking idiot. I'm talking to you. Seen you every fucking day for three years. I finally sorted out you lived here. He wasn't going to say hi before that because I might be Johnny come lately and he might never see me again and English people aren't ready for that commitment. How many times have you walked into a shop in England, uh, any kind of shop, a top shop, even if it's an organic food store, you just walk into any shop in England and you go, hi, how are you? And they go. <laughs> People don't want to talk to you. They, they haven't been introduced. Uh, if you go to France and you don't say hi, they're not going to serve you. If you don't say bonjour, they're not going to serve you. And you have to sing it. Bonjour. Uh, find a friend. Keep in mind the people who love you feel great when you turn to them for help. Thank you. You're right. You're right, Jennifer. They do feel great when you turn to them for help. I've got a lot of friends I need to turn to for help. I've got a lot of work to do. What can I tell you? So, so do total strangers. It gives us the opportunity to do something good for someone. Well, thank you. I don't consider you total strangers. I consider you uh, friends because uh, you've come to this. And I consider everyone who comes to the show and listens to it, uh, someone within the sound of my voice, uh, to be connected. Uh, and that's been the most profound part of doing this show over the last three years, is the fact that everywhere I've gone all over the world, I find that I connect with almost everyone that uh, we talk to and everyone we meet. And it, it's, it's changed my life, because as I said, I'm a closed-off depressive. Uh, but you seem like an extroverted show-off, never fucking stop talking smarty boots know-it-all. I am, but at the same time, 
Um, did Robin Williams seem at all shy to you? Mm. He was quite shy. Uh, he was covering up by being inconceivably manic and hilarious. Uh, could you be as funny as him? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> so do Total Strangers. It gives us the opportunity to do something good for someone. Please use this alternative as frequently as you possibly can because the whole world gets better every time you do. Uh, thank you very much for this, Josephine. That was very lovely of you. And how's everything going for you? It's all right. Difficult? Difficult. How much longer? Yeah, you don't know. But thank you very much for this, Josephine. I truly appreciate it. And I will read the whole thing. And I love the Get Out of Hell free card. I am so sick of fucking people's judgment. In America this week, I mean, we're talking about uh, uh, in Texas and in all these different states, Arizona, uh, gay rights are all over the board in the United States, right? The Supreme Court is somehow, even though women's uh, reproductive rights aren't as big of an issue because they're women, uh, gay rights are, are a huge issue right now. And every state, one by one, and there's, I think we're up to 15, 18 states in the, states, uh, in the United States where gay marriage is legal and stuff like that. And there's still people who are digging their heels in and saying it's unnatural. Uh, you may have heard Pope Francis today introduced a, uh, an edict in front of the, you know, whatever ruling body works in the Vatican, the, the Congress of Homosexually Latent Men who <laughs> molested boys and wear red robes or whatever the fuck they're called, who uh, uh, impugn everyone else morally. And uh, they're not ready for it yet in the Catholic religion. But I think Francis is going to get there. Uh, and I dig him for that. Yes, it's a giant corporation and it's an unassailably evil uh, fucking entity that's been around for thousands of years. However, on the other side of that, um, if they were to accept gays, that would go a long way, wouldn't it? Uh, in a lot of people's minds. Um, for me, the problem with religion is religion gets in the way of thinking and um, uh, critical thinking and emotional thinking. And uh, how could you possibly believe that someone's uh, uh, sexuality or that the people they choose to love or that their gender are any reason to dismiss them or to make them less valid as a person? Um, I was in uh, North Carolina recently and uh, ran into a person who was very close-minded. I won't go into the details, but he was talking about uh, dwarves and midgets who prefer in America to be called little people. And he went, oh, I don't see why we have to be so sensitive about everyone's feelings. You can imagine what he looked like from the way I'm talking. <laughs> and uh, they said, well, what do you think, Greg? And I said, well, I think everyone, uh, regardless of gender, race, or, or their size, deserves respect. And then he was like, well, you don't like me or whatever, and I want you you are proud of your ignorance as if it was a show pony you raised. And he went, oh, like that. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of things to be proud of in this world, but being ignorant and closed-minded is not the biggest thing you can be proud of. I, I don't think I'm so open-minded or I'm even so smart, but I certainly know that, uh, whoa, hello, uh, that there's no reason uh, to get down on people for that. And I think that uh, uh, it's ex extraordinarily instructive to... Uh, start at the very basic level of reaching out to people that are near you and people uh, even that aren't near you that you just meet. Um, I was watching Groundhog Day with my wife. Uh, Jennifer picked it for the film club. We showed it a month ago uh, before we showed A Married a Witch. And the thing about the movie Groundhog Day, if you've never seen it, is uh, he's a closed-off, shut-off show business jerk. And uh, I'm sitting right here. I can hear myself. And he thinks he's so smart and funny all the time. And... Uh, but he, he meets a woman, of course, who is completely open, and he says to her late in the picture, and it's one of Harold Ramis, or whoever wrote the screenplay, Dan Green, I guess, whatever, I can't remember his last name. Uh, uh, you, she's kinder to strangers than any person I've ever met. And there's something really profound in that, right? Uh, it, it's one thing to be kind to people you know. It's one thing to be kind to people in your circle. It's one thing to be kind to people who are above you who can help you. It's another thing to be kind to fucking everyone simply because it's something you should do. Uh, as we say in Yiddish or, or in German, to be a mensch. Uh, it doesn't mean a man, it means a human being. Uh, and, uh, it, and being a human being is an important thing. Isn't the boring preachy part coming a little earlier tonight than usual? Well, it's the gifts, it's the, it's the witches' drinks, it's the, it's, the, it's the cookies, it's the... 
Straight from the tree of life, I picked me a plum. Mm. I'm getting up at 7 o'clock tomorrow to go to Belgium. It'll be fun. Uh, Mary Suzanne gave me this. She's from Portland. Dear Mr. Proops, how do you know that? She told me. Remember before the show when I talked to all of you? Some of it I remembered. Uh, I may be biased, but I think this is one of the best things to come out of Portland in ages. Thank you for everything. You're very welcome, Mary Suzanne. And it's a book called uh, Zazen uh, by a woman named... Uh, sorry? Vanessa Veselka. Vanessa Veselka. Do you know uh, Utalia? No, because her mother's named Vanessa Veselka. <laughs> War is going well and no longer a threat. Small and mature, like a bonsai. War A. War B is in full flower. It's thin green shoots reaching across the ocean floor like fiber optic cable. The TVs are on all the time, all the time now. The lights dim and everyone moves in amber. They flicker like votives. That's what we will be one day, all be one day. Insects in sap, strange jewels. That's the preface. Wow. Here's the first line, chapter one, burning ants. I went to work and a guy I weighed on said he was leaving. He said everyone knew he was just, he was pulling out. Canada's just not far enough, mostly Mexico. A bunch to Thailand, some to Bali. This looks good. Somewhere in Della's consumptive industrial wasteland of a city, a bomb goes off. Wow, that looks interesting. Thank you very much for that. And then who gave me the Philip Larkin book? Me. What was your name, sir? Mark. Mark, you gave me the Philip Larkin book, and you also gave me some other stuff that was just lovely. Thank you very much for You're that. You're very welcome, sir. Thank you. Uh, I won't be taking that to Belgium, as far as for the purposes of this podcast go. In my own personal life, there's no telling what can happen. This is the life story of Philip Larkin, and we've repeated his poem here many times on the show. They fuck you up, your mom and dad. They don't mean to, but they do. Uh, and uh, this is, I guess, a biography of him. Anthony Thwaites' edition of Philip Larkin's Letters was published in 92, and Andrew Morton's Motions biography came out a year later. Larkin's enemy seized on the dude's disclosures with a friendly heart, was frenzy hardly well. There's no kidding. Uh, this one is called First Boredom, Then Fear by Richard Bradford. By the way, that's the Proops family crest. <laughs> First boredom, then fear! <laughs> wow, this looks really good. Thank you very much for this. It looks fucking amazing. We're going to start the show really, really soon. A couple of things before we get going here. Uh, people write me, and if you want to write me, you may, of course, at smartestofaspecialthing.com. If you want to write me personally, it's fanmareforegreg at gmail.com. Go. Uh, this was a tweet I got today from Carl J. Costel. That's his tweet handle. Uh, and this is what he wrote me today on Twitter. <laughs> Greg Proops, do you do any prep for your Proopcast, or are you just that out of your mind? <laughs> It gets better. Asking for a friend. <laughs> well, we cover that in chapter 47 of 101 Alternatives. I'd like to know which friend you're asking for, Carl J. Carl J. Costel. Uh, you have a friend that wants to know, am I out of my mind? Yes, the answer is, I am out of my mind. I'm crazy. Uh, I'm crazy for you. Um, <laughs> As Jesse Johnson said, and I want to go crazy on you, like Ann Wilson of Heart said. Thank you. I dreamed I was a willow last night in my dream, and I bent down over a clear running stream. You sang me a song that you heard up above, and you kept me alive with your sweet flowing love. 
one of the grossest lyrics. Stop letting your love flow all over me. Ew, ick. Uh, uh, yes, I do. Some prep. I mean, I don't fucking spend all day. No, I think of shit to say. And uh, as I've discussed on the show a million times, Jennifer often gives me uh, things to talk about and, and points me in the direction of uh, topics I might uh, be covering and whatnot. So yes, I do some prep before the show. And yes, I am. So the answer is yes and yes. I am just that out of my mind. I am out of my mind enough to believe that I can talk for an hour and a half all by myself and that it's somehow as entertaining as having a group of writers prepare something funny. That's how out of my mind I am. And you're, tell your friend, hey, why don't you fucking make your own tweet questions from now on? In a subsequent tweet, he actually uh, wished me good luck. My baseball team, by the time this plays, will have been a week into the World Series. But my baseball team, the San Francisco Giants, uh, starts the World Series uh, Tuesday night against Kansas City Royals, which I'm pretty excited about. And uh, he wished me luck in that. So thank you for that. Uh, people write me letters. And this one's from fanmail uh, at g- uh, gmail.com. I often ask people to say uh, something to the NSA, the National Security Administration, because they uh, read all of the emails you send through Google Mail. This is from Carla. It just says Carla. Dear Sir. So it's offhand. Your mention of the story of the crabs running amok in the cargo hold of the plane inspires me to share an observation with you. Two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, on the A Porpoise of Fruititude episode, uh, I read uh, an item from CNN uh, that Jennifer had given me, uh, which had one of the headlines like, Passengers aren't crabby after crustacean delay. And a flight going from uh, New York City to North Carolina had to be delayed in New York on the tarmac because there were crabs, according to the article, running amok in the hold. My assertion was that crabs cannot run amok because crabs scuttle sideways. So they don't ever come right at you. They're always kind of sidling around you. And that, uh, you know, they, they asked a bunch of people on the flight, did they mind? And they were like, they weren't too crabby. Like, they wrote the article, basically, so they could say crab a thousand times. Uh, but this person writes me, Carla writes me, and she's inspired to share an observation with me. Uh, my experience with crabs is almost exclusively with the blue claw variety found in the Gulf of California. Now, I don't know what your experience with crabs is like, but Carla's is almost exclusively with the blue crab. Uh, A lot of us, I'm from San Francisco, most of my crab experiences have been with a Dungeness crab. However, I had a run-in with a soft-shell crab a few years ago that I don't think I'll ever forget. Uh, I found it inside my pants, and I was like, what are you doing in there? And it was like, it's hot, I'm seeking sanctuary, I wanted to go somewhere humid and, you know, that had like a small foresty area. And I was like, this is my area, you can't stay in my pants. And then I threw it back in the deep fryer, and we all ate it with green, fried green tomatoes. Um, a lot of you will run into different crab experiences in your life. Uh, if, you, if you've ever lived in a shell, you know that often there'll be a hermit crab inside there already. And you'll be like, God, I'm so, I'm safe, finally. I'm away from that moray eel. I'm hiding in a shell. And then behind you, pong, pong, hey, this is my shell. And you're like, oh, fuck, it's a hermit crab shell. I should have known you'd fucking take up residence in here. But hermit crabs will live in anything. They won't just live in a shell. They'll live in a jar. They'll live in a thimble. Uh, whatever they can fit in, really. Uh, but a lot, I mean, uh, we all have different crab experiences. I mean, the people flying from New York, they never even saw those crabs in the hole. They only heard about it later. Later, and that's why they weren't that crabby. Uh, and occurred to internet. Uh, this is the part that's fairly astounding because of how specific it is. My experience with crabs is almost exclusively with the blue claw variety found in the Gulf of California, and occurred intermittently between the ages of eight and twelve. <laughs> uh, 
The first occurrence was when I was eight. <laughs> My mother and I were strolling along the beach on the Gulf of California, Baja, if you will, when a blue craw crab came up to us and was like, hey, lady, you just stepped on one of my children. <laughs> the other occurrence happened when I was nine. I love that it was intermittent. You know, the thing about crabs is they're not consistent. <laughs> you know, they're piecemeal. You know what I mean? They'll come at you, but then they fuck off and then they come back. I think it's something to do with the tides. <laughs> While delicious, these crabs are also fearsome, aggressive, and fast which is the other Proops family crest. First boredom, then fear. Then fearsome, aggressive, and fast. And then on top it says in Latin, delice. Uh, they do scuttle sideways, but they can haul ass when doing so. I don't really think of crabs hauling ass, but it's fantastic that they do. Uh, they will attack adults as well as children. Will they? Fuck. I've never seen a crab attack anyone. I've been to a lot of, I've been to some crab places. Well, you know what though? I don't run with the crabs. I uh, I run with the devil, like David Lee Roth. Uh, thank you. I live my life like there's no tomorrow. What I've got, I've had to steal. No, I don't. I don't mind. I have to beg and borrow. Yes, I'm living at a pace that kills. Uh, 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 uh. Running with the devil. <laughs> I live my life. Like there's no tomorrow. Uh, they do scuttle sideways, but they, they will attack adults as well as children. Really, just any old time. There was one shitty crab uh, monster movie from the '50s where crabs attacked, and I can't remember. It might have even been called Attack of the Crabs. It was one of those Samuel Z. Samuel Z. Arkoff kind of American International ones. Crabs aren't usually that scary. And then one of the um, uh, one of the Sinbad movies, one of the Ray Harryhausen movies. Doesn't a giant crab attack in one of those? Uh, in La Land of the Giants or one of the fucking, I can't remember the name of that one. Uh, they can also, they can haul us. Uh, they pinch with their claws and often draw blood. What about the times they don't draw blood? Is that intermittent or is that, I like they often draw blood, meaning more times than not. So if a blue, if, if you're down in Baja and you're rolling, uh, say you're in uh, uh, Rosarita Beach or wherever down in Baja, California, and you see a blue claw crab, understand that they can haul ass and that they pinch and they're aggressive and they pinch with their claws, as opposed to pinching <laughs> with a Vulcan, a Vulcan mind meld. They do not pinch like Spock. They don't go, pain! Um, they pinch with their claws, and they often draw blood. Because they're vampire crabs. These crabs do indeed run amok. However, I do not challenge your statement about the cargo hole crabs being incapable of running amok, as those crabs were obviously not blue claw crabs. Blue claws could never get past airport security. <laughs> Devotedly. Devo Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sit back down. Be careful. I don't want a lawsuit. Sit back down. Uh, uh, thank you, Carla, for that uh, club, crab, crab information. And I know much more about blue claw crabs than I ever knew before, and I feel pretty good about that. Uh, I, I love that they're delicious, but they're also aggressive and fearsome. My wife and I went to dinner last night. She took her posh dinner at a really beautiful place called Ten Bells over in... Uh, um, uh, cock, what's the name of that? It's a, uh, Spitalfields. And there's a beautiful uh, Hawksmoor church there, right? Hawksmoor was a, um, uh, an architect at the same, a contemporary of Christopher Wren, who designed your St. Paul's and whatnot. Hawksmoor was Jewish. And so imagine in London in those days 
Uh, it's bad enough now. Uh, thank you. Two people laugh. Everyone else. Aren't you the ones who are being terrible to the people of Gaza? Yeah, all of us, all at once. Um, I'm not Jewish. My father was. But, and this sign was up in front of Hawksmoor. First of all, it's a beautiful uh, 17th century church, right? And it, it stands straight up with the white tower and whatnot. And they've left it there. It's, it's a beautiful piece. And then they've put a pop-up coffee stand in front of it that it blocks the view of it almost entirely. And it says, coffee cup! And it's this giant coffee cup-shaped stand. And then there was a, a... Because this is England, and you guys have rules posted outside your parks... Um, don't, don't other countries have rules posted outside their parks? Yes, but people aren't expected to read them. Here, you have private gardens that no one can go into, which I love about England. You go like, oh, what a lovely garden. Wait, okay, oh, there's a fucking locked gate? And it's like, no, only the people who live around here can go in there. You Don't even look at it. Go away now. Don't breathe that air. That air's not for you. You're from a lower class. If you were allowed to breathe that air, you'd have a key, wouldn't you? Mm. Go on, then. Move along. Nothing to see here. You've not got a key. Don't make me call the fucking law. I will fucking call the Ross. Site rules, it says. No smoking except in designated areas. Really? How many cathedrals have a designated smoking area? We'd prefer if you smoke behind the nave. It makes the baby Jesus look like he's on fire. No consumption of alcohol or use of illegal substances. Fuck, I broke two rules when I was standing there. No radios. Because it's 1970. Wouldn't it be better if it said no boomboxes or no bullshit? No radios or other music devices. I think you'll find a lot of people are walking around London with buds in their ears and these attached to them going like this. You don't really see a lot of people walking around with a fucking radio up to their ear anymore. Although really we all should, shouldn't we? Radios were fucking fun. They're really fun. And uh, uh, the best part about radio in London is that um, there's still uh, all those uh, pirate stations and all those reggae and dub stations. Yeah, there's Radio 1 and all that shit. But I'm saying, like, you turn the radio on in London and you're likely to hear... Uh, Saturday... Colchester. You don't get that in the States, man. It is fucking cool. It is really cool. Let's see if we can just do some radio here. Maybe it'll play me. I think y'all remember this song. Adam and the Ants. I just thought it'd be fun to play one off the phone. It was so important to make that noise in the 80s. No radios or other music devices. No shouting or swearing. Fucking A. It's a church. Uh, No inappropriate dress. 
or removal of shirts. How many times have you been in front of a 1600s cathedral and gone, I am so hot. I have got to take this off. So take off all your clothes. Uh, no offensive language or behavior. Now, who says what's to be offensive? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, anyone can say like, hey, hey, you fat cocksucker. That's kind of offensive. But what if someone goes like, uh, I'm voting you, Kip, in the next election? Isn't that kind of offensive too? You know what I mean? I mean, offense is in the eye of the beholder, is it not? Uh, so for me, that one's like, you know, wow. Because, you know, when people say shit like, like I was watching my baseball team the other night, and they were interviewing a cat who had a famous home run, Travis Ishikawa. And uh, they said, well, tell us about hitting the home run. And he goes, I just want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was like, did he really help you hit that homer? <laughs> I mean, I'm grateful to any entity, but as you know, I'm pantheistic. I believe in all the gods. Uh, that's why there's so many talismans and weird shit around me at all times. I have more good luck charms than you could possibly imagine. I'm as superstitious as a fucking druid. And uh, I, I just really don't think we should leave the gods out. What we did was we created all these gods, and then we let them die off one by one, and there's no reason for it. Um, I mean, here we are on Sunday, and then tomorrow is Monday, and then Wednesday is Woden's Day. Tuesday is the, Tuesday's Chew, the god of war. Uh, and, and Thursday's Thor's Day, right? And then the, the Romans, they, they put the equal Roman gods to all of those, right? So in all the Latin languages. And so I think the gods are around us all the time. It's just that we don't pay them any fucking attention anymore. But when you think of Wednesday as Woden's Day, it makes it a lot funner than just fucking Wednesday. Because people go, uh, fucking hump day, isn't it? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that's tired. Like every, every other day someone t uh, tweets me, uh, every time I see your name, I think Greg poops. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? And I'm like, yeah. Approximately four billion times since the age of four. Uh, but when you think of Woden's Day, it makes you think, you know, a little bit of this, fucking spiked helmet. I'm going to fucking attack my office when I get in there today. I'm going to come into my cubicle. I'm going to have my cock out. Uh, I'm going to put a push pin through the end of it. Like a Mayan, you know, ah, and just blood everywhere. And like, what are you guys doing? And like, I'm feeding the gods. As long as you don't take your shirt off, we'll be okay in front of Hawksmoor here. Do, and then this one is my favorite one. Do not indulge in horseplay. Has that been an issue at the Hawksmoor church in the middle of the night? All of a sudden, you're standing there, you're trying to... I never do horseplay. I do unicorn play. Because I am Tylenol with codeine. If you wish to come and visit us, uh, we'll have already played Belgium. We'll have already played Stockholm. You can come and see us at the Maui Comedy Festival in Hawaii uh, on the island of Maui. We'll be there uh, the whole week, the, October 29th through the 2nd of November. And we're going to um, play on the Thursday that we're going to do the podcast. The Great Proofs Film Club will be on the 12th of November. I don't know what we're showing yet. We haven't decided. I think it's going to be a Pam Greer black exploitation movie. That's what we're leaning toward at this point. Probably coffee. Um, 
Not Foxy Brown, but we might go Foxy Brown. And then uh, the 20th or the 22nd, I'll be at the Sacramento Punchline. Uh, the 29th, I'll be at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Come and visit us there. Uh, December 4th through 6th, the Helium in Portland. December 10th, Up Comedy in Chicago. December 13th, stand up at, well, I'll be doing stand up at the Bloomington Center for the Poor Man's in Bloomington, Illinois. Uh, and then I'll be at New Year's in San Francisco that whole week so come and visit us in San Francisco uh, the podcast will be on the Thursday before New Year's and then we're playing the whole rest of the week doing stand-up if you want to come and see us uh, do the Who's Line show we're uh, on the road with Ryan Stiles Jeff Davis Joel Murray and Bob Durkatch and we'll be in Marin and Cupertino in the Bay Area on the 7th and 8th. And then on the 13th, 14th, and 15th, we'll be at Chico, Modesto, and Santa Rosa. Those are all in California. You can go to gregproofs.com and see us there and come and see us play our Who's Line show. And yes, we do meet people after. People tweet me and say things like, if we come to the show, is it possible to meet you? And it's like, I'm pretty fucking accessible. Uh, I come out after, I say hi, I talk to people and shit like that. I'm like, no. Maybe you haven't read my rules. First of all, I saw you playing a radio. Second of all, you took your shirt off. And third, there was definitely horseplay going on. I am like a blue claw crab. I'm delicious, but I'm also aggressive. And I pinch adults as well as children. And you know how I pinch them? With my fucking claws. I don't just bite you, I pinch you. Uh, this is from the Sunday Times today. Yes, I bought the Sunday Times today. You know why? Because I like to read Jeremy Clarkson's column. I like, to, I like to catch up on what the old Clark dog is up to. Ever since Michael Winter passed away, I thought, there's got to be a, a deluded right-wing lunatic. I can read their column every week. Someone with a small dick who I hate with every fiber of my being. You have to get all sides of issues. I'm always accused of only reading the troublemaking lesbian, lefty, transgendered, fucking weekly journal every week to everyone. But I want you to know that I read, uh, uh, you know, different publications on it. Because people write me and they go, well, where do you get all your information? And it's like... The internet and newspapers and talking to people? How does anyone get information? But evidently people are not, people are so on their Facebook or whatever the fuck they're Facebook. People are whatever, they're on their own social media. They don't actually read the news all the time. And there's lots of news out there. Uh, Al Jazeera is not a terrible source of news. They seem to have gotten all the good reporters from everywhere. Uh, American news, ugh. like... I would read the alternative papers in America. There's lots of good alternative papers. Uh, San Francisco has the SF Weekly and uh, what is it, the Georgia Strait up in uh, Seattle and uh, even, even Texas and uh, Arizona have uh, alternative papers. Those ones tend to have a little more news in them. What do you mean by news? I mean facts. <laughs> like, for instance, if you watch TV or you read a newspaper and you hear a rich person called a job provider, that means they've outsourced every single one of the jobs that they've ever had to have employees at uh, to another country, somewhere else in the world. Or it means they're underpaying everyone woefully and don't want to give anyone fucking health care. That's what a job provider is. Uh, news is a series of euphemisms to hide the actual content of what's going on. Because they never call uh, Barack Obama a, a, a war criminal who supports the dominant paradigm. He's always the president of the United States. Because it's too complicated to call him a war criminal. Uh, so you understand where I'm going with this. If someone's controversial, they're a woman or they're not white. <laughs> Yeah, ever notice when laws are controversial, they're about giving money to the poor and shit like that? Uh, there were 90,000 people in London protesting yesterday, the low wages, uh, and I think it's fantastic. And, and Russell Brand was out there, and good for him. You know, I know Russell, and uh, we, we are friends. Uh, 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 he gets a lot of uh, guff because, you know, he's fruitastic, and he dresses like a rock star and all that jazz, but he's a very intelligent person, and uh, he's on the right side, and for that, I really, really dig him. There's a, believe it or not, you're allowed to be a comedian and think. Uh, <laughs> 
not everybody's uh, um, like some comedians. <clears throat> In any case, uh, I was reading the Times, and uh, yes, Jeremy Clarkson had a column, and uh, today he said that he'd never moved to Switzerland. If he lived in Switzerland for two weeks, he'd kill himself. And I thought, should I, should I? And then I thought, no. Because <laughs> I was thinking of starting a fund to help him move there. But I don't want anyone to kill themselves, uh, even Jeremy Clarkson. Although, if he exiled himself somewhere, it would be awesome. Actually, he doesn't even have to exile himself. How about just sit down and be quiet for a while? That would be really refreshing for all of the women and people of Earth with feelings. It's like your grandma's panties. No one wants to go in them. Ha, 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 ha. We're flying home. Uh, a couple of times ago from England, me and Jennifer, and uh, we, were, uh, we were, you know how people watch movies the whole flight and whatnot? Uh, and I do too. I watched Wolf of Wall Street. I've watched some good movies. Oh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Fucking glorious. Um, and I'm watching a picture, and the couple in front of me is both watching Top Gear the whole time. Like it's a 13-hour flight, and you're like, how much Top Gear can you fucking watch? This car's going really fast. It's almost as if my dick wasn't a minuscule toothpick with an inferiority complex. I couldn't fuck a snail because my cock's not hard enough to ever measure up to that thorny protuberance. Like, you're like, what is it about Top Gear that's entertaining to you? I don't get... I like cars. I want to watch shows with cars in them. Really? I like dinosaurs. I don't watch Jurassic Park 3 every day. He's probably a nice person. I've made myself hysterical. I saw him not tip a, a, a barman in Sicily. I saw him pay for his beer. He got on the phone. We were, uh, we were sitting outside at the Hotel Aegea in Palermo. And he came in and he sat down at the bar and he went, beer! And the guy brought him a beer and he went, we're here in Palermo on a rally, but I don't think we can get the insurance for it. And he's called, Then he put the phone away, went over to pay for the beer and took all of his change back and put it in his pocket. And I was like, you cock. So I tipped the guy extra to scratch his fucking Bugatti. They had brought all these fucking fancy cars to do a rally in Palermo, which is like taking all your cars to Scunthorpe and then going, I don't know why we ran into a railing. Uh, the day the Earth first moved, 385 million years ago. What does this article have to do with Jeremy Clarkson? This is when he was born. Out of the primordial ooze. Uh, the day the Earth first moved, 385 million years ago, from the Times... Page seven, Sunday edition. Jonathan Leake, science editor. This is the greatest opening. I, I shouldn't really tell you something's the greatest before I read it. I should just read it and let it win you on its own merits. But once I read it, you will concur with me that this is the greatest opening paragraph in the history of news writing. Sexual intercourse was invented in Scotland by fish swimming in lakes. <laughs> Invented? Surely it was already there. Invented? 
Really? Someone invented it? 385 million years ago, scientists have found. Hey, you. You're nice. What the fuck you looking at? Looking at your fins there, dollies. What I'm fucking looking at. How'd you like the old behind that piece of lichen over there? And not with the likes of you, you great gnarly fucking cudge. I wouldn't take your fucking willy and me if you were the last coelacanth on the fucking face of the planet. Oh, you'd fuck a trilobite, you'd fucking slag. If there's one place that could be more unsanitary than anything on earth, it is a lake in Scotland 385 million years ago. If you've ever been to a pub in Dundee on a Sunday night, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. The creatures from an extinct group called placoderms are among the earliest vertebrate ancestors of humans, but scientists have long been puzzled by the purpose of bony protrusions that resembled a surplus... (laughs) By the way, I'm also a dancer here in Soho. I play at a place down the street called the Sweaty Middle-Aged Man. (laughs) Ladies, ladies, get your pocketbooks out. He's 55 and he has swarthy male breasts. It looks like he's wearing a furry bra. Please welcome the Placoderm. Now you're messing with a, a son of a bitch! That's the music I dance to. I dance to Nazareth. I've never seen you act like this without a reason. Another spin, another, another, another season passes by you. Cha! It was important in the 80s to say cha. If bony protuberance is my name when I dance. Now they found that the protrusions were so-called claspers, which the fish used to cling together as they mated. You know, they didn't. You know what they were held together by? Love. Fucking A, man. There's a drawing of them there that's an artist's rendition. One fish got up next to the other fish and said, you want to invent something? And the other one went, fuck you, that trick worked on my mother. And then the other one went, I fucked your fucking mother. That's why I'm so fat. Every time I fucked her, she gave me a cookie. In order to make this next part more interesting, I shall read it as Jeremy Irons. Placodum fossils have been found in Orkney in northern Scotland around John O'Groats. These are among the bleakest parts of Scotland and may seem unlikely places for anything to evolve. <laughs> but in the time when the species Microbrachius Dicky <laughs> was evolving, these areas would have been hot. A full research paper will be published by Nature of Array. Uh, such an inventive history meant that there were key copulation suspects. 
the male of the species, Incisecutum ricketi, caused excitement because its clasper seemed to have developed the earliest known erectile tissue. <laughs> We're suggesting this is the beginning of erectile male fertilization because part of that organ has been taken over by soft cartilage. We found a loose perm and a leather jacket and a pair of high-waisted jeans and some deck shoes near what appears to be a Bugatti. Turns out the soft cartilage was merely Jeremy Clarkson in an antediluvian form. New Duke to get Blindheim rocking. This is by Nicholas Helen and Tony Allen Mills. It is Britain's answer to Woodstock. At Woodstock, Jamie Blanford, the wayward aristocrat who became the 12th Duke of Marlborough on the death of his father last week, plans an upper-crust English version of the celebrated rock festival at the family seat of Blenheim Palace in Woodstock, Oxfordshire. With the fate of the great English house in his fragile hands, Blanford is ready to institute a shake-up. Um, if you know who this person is, Mr. Spencer Churchill, the, the um, Duke of Marlborough, um, he's a piece of landed gentry. And there, you can't see his picture very well there. But if you look up the Duke of Marlborough when you go home or on your phone later, you'll see that he's a bloated, fat, ex-drug addict who uh, exists on Earth, as far as I can see, to take up space. Um, you guys have an obsession here with your rich people. And for some reason, you allow them to keep their uh, wealth that they uh, illegally gained centuries ago against all odds when um, a couple of revolutions here wouldn't have really hurt the fucking place. <laughs> Uh, staff were reluctant to discuss future projects while the family ran in mourning. Hoisted a series of concerts for up to 10,000 people is expected to begin next summer. Blanford is also a passionate fan of Formula One motor racing. Um. <laughs> now, I'm the first one to allow people to do whatever they want with their lives. If you're a fan of Formula One motor racing, there's a very, 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 very tiny infinitesimal extraordinarily slim chance that you're a nice person <laughs> and that you're not a neo-Nazi asswipe who wants to waste the world's resources spinning fucking cars around Europe and shit like that. I really can't think of any organization that's more evil than fucking Formula One. Uh, that's a sporting organization. And I include FIFA in that. And that's a fucking long throw. If you're a passionate fan of Formula One, you're a twat. <laughs> And I think his melon-colored pants say twat. <laughs> That's what he wants to do with the money. He's inherited an untold fortune. He's been a heroin addict, a drug addict. He lost his license, and then he drove around privately on private roads. Here it is. The last time the estate tried music a decade ago, the atmosphere was not rock and roll. Blah, blah, blah. Lap up the aristocratic ambiance, enjoying a glass of champagne and nibbles was the ad. Next year's concert will be staged, blah, blah, blah. As for the new Duke's interest in cars, one of the friends recalled that Blanford needed to have the fastest Subaru Impreza in the county and would race it around the Blenheim estate. When Blanford lost his license after a series of motoring convictions, he went on a quad bike dressed in a suit and he could go to every pub in the area while staying on private roads. Well, what an inventive little Duke he is. Uh, there you are. That story to me was just like, I, I, it was just, it was below the copulating story. Um, copulating may have been invented 385 million years ago, but there's still some protoplasm from that era 
walking around calling itself royalty. This was a story I thought would warm the cockles of your cock. Coles. Uh, you may know that World War I happened some 104 years ago from this day, or 100 years ago uh, this year. A Christmas miracle beating Germany 4-1. Well, first of all, this headline could be in English, any English sporting page <laughs> in the last 30 years, really. If England beat Germany 4-1 in any fucking match, that is a fucking Christmas miracle, no matter what happens. If, if England had won in the first round, it would have been a Christmas fucking miracle in the World Cup. But here we go. Uh, the Christmas truce of 1914 has gone down in history as a rare outbreak of humanity. In the carnage of World First World War, when rank-and-file soldiers laid down their weapons, shared a drink, and broke into sports, a spontaneous football match. New research has now established at least 15 separate matches were played in no man's land along the then 20-mile British stretch of the Western Front, and that one of the kickabouts ended in a 4-1 victory for the British troops. What I love is that it's not so much significant that the British and German troops set down their arms, went out, shook hands with each other, shared smokes, got drinks, ate food together. This was against the orders of all the high command, mind you. This was people in trenches facing each other across no man's land, actually stopped on Christmas Day, and fucking went out, shook hands, made friends, and played football together. The significant part for the English paper, especially the Times, is that England won one of the matches. It would be like ISIS stopped right outside of, you know, you know what I'm saying? Right outside of alms and stopped, and, and stopped their tanks and, and stopped all the shooting and stuff and went, hey, everybody, come outside. We're going to play footy for half an hour. And the English papers would be like, and the Islamic State won three new. <laughs> Um, they found a soldier's diary. Uh, it began with the sound of German carols. Here it is. This is the part that I really enjoyed. I've, I've heard about this story before, but I haven't really read about it. Uh, Fifteen documented games. Some played with tin cans. Three ended in a 3-2 defeat. I love how there's this many scores recorded. Uh, it's author Pierre Termanius, author of The Christmas Match, Football in No Man's Land, published next month. His book covers a different match between Scots and Sacks. Brian, uh, it's a, a soldier named... Um, Harold Douglas Bryan, a sergeant in the 1st Battalion of the Scots Guards, wounded three times. He was uniquely one of six brothers to fight. Bryan returned to the trenches near Ypres on December 19th after seven weeks' convalescence in Rouen from a foot injury. After his unit lost 45 men in half an hour on the night of December 23rd, the most strange thing happened on Christmas Day. It began with the sound of German carols floating over the trenches, and after breakfast, as his comrades enjoyed a smoke, a German officer and two men approached, waving a white flag. A British officer jumped out of the trench to meet them, and after an exchange of cigars, agreed to keep up Christmas Day with them. The two sides met halfway between the trenches and exchanged lager and bully beef and biscuits. Plenty of them had lived in London, and so spoke English perfectly. Road front. I know. What's the point of all this, Greg? There doesn't need to be war. Is the point of it. We create war. We instill war. We make war. So that corporations and rich governments and entities that make money off war can have war. Uh, some wars are unavoidable because we can't stop them. They, they happen on their own. This one that's going on in the Middle East, England and America are directly responsible for. Because we started all this bullshit and we created the instability that's led to the vacuum, that's led to all this nonsense going on. We funded each and every one of these sides at some point during the last 25, 30, 50, 100 years, ever since the cocking Balfour Declaration was signed, right? So it's our fault in a lot of ways. Um, I would just like to point out that when people are given the chance to not kill each other, they will take the chance not to kill each other. They will, in fact, smoke cigarettes together and play fucking footy. There was a boxing match, too, evidently, on the day. That's what Christmas is all about. Uh, I, I just think it's... Um, there doesn't need to be... Uh, 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 
Intolerance. Intolerance is not a human state. Intolerance is created uh, by organizations so that you'll feel superior or afraid or, 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 or intimidated by another group and therefore you have to be uh, uh, aggressive toward them or dismissive toward them or uh, diminishing toward them. Um, the idea that men and women are so inconceivably different that we can never understand each other is absolute nonsense. The, the idea that gay people are so other and foreign. The idea that your gender determines everything about you. The, all these fucking ideas that we know now are fluid and and not uh, written in stone. All these things that people have believed over time, that World War I was a righteous war, that World War II was a holy war, that was necessary to protect freedom and shit like that. The Germans spoke English. My family spoke German. Secrets, uh, FBI agents came to my uh, father's house in Brooklyn to interview my family because we all spoke fucking German because they spoke Yiddish and Yiddish is largely German. It's ridiculous, the idea that there's any divide between us. The only divide between us is the one that they want to place between us, the artificial divide between all of us. Hating people on an individual basis is something I'm all for. It's imperative that you know who the assholes are in the world that are trying to keep you from love, that are trying to keep you from success, that are trying to keep you from the things you need. And what do you need in this world? Three squares a day and someone to fucking hold. That's what you need in this world. And it's not provided by war, and it's not provided by bombing people, and it's not provided by giving the government more power, and it's not provided by spying. There's billions and hundreds of billions of dollars spent on watching our phones uh, and listening to what we're talking about and reading all our fucking emails, and we're no more safe than we were when there was no money spent on it at all. When was that time, Greg? Never. <laughs> Believe me, as long as there was an organization in place, the government's been spying on us. In the Roman Empire, I guarantee you, the Catholic Church, whatever organization you want to name, people have been spying on each other and, and, and creating war and creating dissent, disharmony, discontent, and, and discord. And it doesn't have to be that way. The Roman Empire uh, is, is evil for a million different reasons, but there's one thing the Roman Empire uh, purportedly uh, worshipped. Like in America, we purportedly worship democracy and freedom. We say it all the time. We ram it down people's throats. We're free! Uh, if you were free, you wouldn't have to tell everyone you were free. You would simply be free and you wouldn't need to say it. Um, and it was the idea of concord. Concord meaning agreement. Concord meaning we're all together. Concordance, right? Uh, and, and that is what I think the world uh, needs to look at a little more strenuously than, uh, oh, the, the uh, people from Africa are carrying disease. They're the enemy. People from the Middle East are radical fundamentalists. Uh, people from Israel are all evil because they only kill small Palestinian children. Palestinians are evil because they blow up neighborhoods. Whatever fucking nonsense you've been taught, whatever fucking precepts you hold, uh, men are different than women and therefore they can't understand each other. Uh, women are bitches and are demanding and are gold diggers. Uh, men are fucking overbearing and what am I, that true? That's true. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Men have the capacity to learn. Um, how do you know this, Greg? Uh, try to take a pig shopping. Uh, pigs never whip out a credit card and buy anything, but men can do that. They can be taught to do that. Yeah, we're not all fucking bad. Uh, but that's all I'm saying about that. I really, I really felt like that story was inspiring. Also, uh, the idea that England could win a football match in an international scene... <laughs> With, with no foreign players, no one from Spain. They didn't have Messi. They didn't, yeah. There was no, it wasn't like Liverpool. They didn't have a, they didn't have a whole big uh, foreign team. Uh, and they still uh, beat Germany 4-1. I just, I really feel like uh, we create more problems than, than we can solve. Um, and how do we do that? Well, by um, allowing uh, things like uh, 90,000 people protest in London. Did you see it on TV today? Maybe you did. A little story about it. Did you read it in the paper? 
Um, they don't want to talk about it. When Occupy occupied uh, London, when Occupy occupied all over the United States, when Occupy occupies all over the world. And by the way, the Occupy movement is still going on and are still doing things like absolving people of debt and buying up debt in the United States and getting people houses. They're doing lots of good things. They weren't a bunch of scruffy hippies. The through line in the media was that they were urinating outside and therefore they were to be feared. But they're no more to be feared than anyone else in the world. You know who I fear? Ugly, icky white guys in rooms smoking cigars, getting blowjobs, making decisions. That's who I fucking fear. Because they do not have your welfare in mind, ladies and gentlemen. They do not have your welfare in mind. Mm. The people who want to withhold things from you, like medicine and healthcare and uh, a living wage and the idea that uh, one drug is better than another drug, that alcohol and cigarettes are better than marijuana and or blah, 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 that those are death-dealing drugs. And that, so uh, along those lines, I picked up a copy of uh, England's greatest newspaper, Sunday People. <laughs> Proud to be independent. And uh, it's a great paper. It's good fun. It really is. Uh, at the beginning, it says, corrections and complaints. If we have published anything that is factually inaccurate, please contact the reader's editor. How do I get this entire paper into an envelope? Every page of it is so good. Uh, Kelly Brook... Uh, as dating someone now, and it says, Kelly Brooks starred in her own hot Hollywood mystery when she was dined by one man and then suddenly hooked up with her former fiancé. The actress and model seems to be taking the hunk's arm as they leave Los Angeles restaurant Sugarfish before heading home in the Hollywood Hills. And then it says here, uh, and this is what the, uh, because her name's Kelly Brook, Dabbling Brook. Model is all smiles on a night out with mystery man. It's all Kelly mysterious, it says. And then flirty, Kelly out with hunk. And it's her basically kind of walking with a guy. And he's not hunky. His face looks like it was on fire and someone put it out with a frying pan. <laughs> Good week. This is a news and features page three. Good week and then bad week, right? Good week. Uh, a podcast of the Archers tops the August chart. It's, at, it's not number two at the Beeb's all-time download chart with 63 million hits since 2007. The Archers had a good week. Ellie Close, four, of Ottershaw, North York's, wins a rosette as the youngest gun dog handler. None of that makes sense whatsoever. Why does a four-year-old have a gun dog? What the fuck's a gun dog? I reckon this town ain't big enough for the both of us. <laughs> I have a gun dog. Bad week. Barbie is falling out of favor as the doll's sales dropped by 21% in the past quarter compared with last year. There's no news in that paragraph. <laughs> so compared to last year, it went down 21% in the past quarter. Do you realize how many variables are in that fucking sentence? That could mean they didn't sell quite as many. That mean, it might mean they sold five less. And I'm not here to put down Barbie. She's a fox. And uh, I remember Skipper as well and the Malibu van. Uh, I didn't own a Barbie. I'm not gay. I make no case for it. I know that a lot of households in America, G.I. Joe violated Barbie whenever he got a chance. And this was not the doing of adults. This was the doing of children. When the Barbie and the G.I. Joe got together, there was mayhem. 
And you know why? Barbie was fucking asking for it. I'm joking, Jesus. Uh, this is a bad week. Pop royalty, Jay-Z and wife, Beyonce. How is it not pop royalty, Beyonce and ugly ass husband, Jay-Z? We're supposed to believe that he's good looking. You've seen what Jay-Z looks like. I love that she's a blonde white girl now. Pop royalty Jay-Z and wife Beyonce are wrapped for being more interested in taking selfies than appreciating art on a private tour of the Louvre. I don't know if you saw the pictures of them at the Louvre. Every single picture of them at the Louvre was them in front of the Mona Lisa, them in front of the Winged Victory, them in front of whatever, like doing selfies. But how else would a rapper couple whose whole life is involved in their own self-aggrandizement, how else would they view the Louvre? You didn't think they were going to stand there with a fucking sketchbook, did you? And take detailed notes on the fucking Winged Victory of Samothrace. Beyonce made a five-hour documentary about herself for HBO that had no humor in it. Then I thought of this. Like, at no point do you laugh at yourself? Cher has a sense of humor about herself. I mean, really. Be like Cindy Lauper. You know what I mean? Read a book. I mean, Beyonce, she's right on, whatever. She put the word feminist up. I get it. I get it. I get what's going on. But she has no fucking sense of humor about herself. Please take yourself a little less seriously. This one I didn't understand at all. Uh, this is on the voice of the Sunday people. Uh, fire wage gaff lord. David Cameron might have an excuse to keep Lord Freud. Blah, blah, blah. Must ever run a welfare reformer. Oh, someone wants to reform welfare. And, of course, that makes him a fraud. Uh, here's the one that I didn't get at all. Maybe you guys can explain this to me. End legal highs, says the headline. Users of legal highs are the first to admit they are worse than heroin. <laughs> Obviously, they don't mean alcohol. Do they mean shit you go online and buy that has initials and whatnot? Uh, yeah, because the law does not stop them buying drugs masquerading as plant food, they have become addicts. Legal high makers stay one step ahead of the law by changing the chemical composition of their evil wares. Yet the head shops that sell them are well-known to police and trading standards officers. But as existing drug laws cannot be... I've written over it. Another way must be found to close them. Police can pull the shutters down on an unruly pub. They must be given new powers to deal in the same way with the merchants of death. Are a lot of people dying of meow meow and K and shit like that? No? The crowd goes quiet. I, I presume that they keep, you know, chemists work full time on inventing new drugs and then they go online and sell them. It's my presumption. I don't, I don't buy anything you can buy online from a Dutch website is not something I'm interested in getting high on, not much. Merchants of death. You know who's a merchant of death? The British government. The American government. That's who's a merchant of fucking death because uh, we rain death on people all the fucking time. Uh, and there we go. Let's see here. Wife's racist question, a racist hot potato. We read about that in the last uh, episode. Nigel Nelson, our man in Westminster. Let's skip him and go to this one here. Uh, Clarkson's dodging another close shave. Thank you. Jeremy Clarkson looks like he's trying to go incognito by growing a scruffy beard after his spot of argy bargy. But his bald patch, pot belly, and trademark check shirt and jeans combo gave him away to diners at an E&O in Notting Hill, West London. The Top Gear host, 54. I'm older than him? 
God, I feel good about myself. <laughs> Fucking, I'm hunky enough to date Dabbling Brooke. Except the day I go to Sugarfish is the day I fucking pluck my own eyes out and feed them to a Doberman. <laughs> the Top Gear host was forced to flee Argentina after a mob claimed the H982FKL plate on his Porsche was about the 1982 Falklands War. His look of misery may also have something to do with the points he got for speeding last week. Thank you. That was exactly the right laugh for that. And then it says, Harry moments. And these are the headlines I like most in England. Beardy Jezza. They called him Jezza. Uh, one diner said, quote, and by the way, no one said this. This is the Sunday people. I made this up. Someone made it up. Do you really think one diner said this? Excuse me, were you dining at E&O in Notting Hill last week? I was. Was Jezza there? I think so. Some scruffy motherfucker was walking around. He was wearing a tablecloth and he looked like he was acting like an asshole. I don't know him. I think it was him. What did you think? Well, I'm a diner and I said this. I was, I was really shocked when I saw Clarkson at the restaurant. He looks a broken man. He seems to have let himself go with his gray beard and untidy hair. Who says that? <laughs> have you ever said anything like that? Have you ever? S Look at that guy over there. Oh my God, he looks to have let himself go with his gray beard and untidy hair. <laughs> oh, Woden. So, BBC bosses are backing the controversial star and plan to screen the Top Gear road trip special over Christmas. That'll be fun. He went to Argentina and he had a Falklands license plate. That's the kind of sense of humor racists have. Racists think it's funny to have a funny license plate. Uh, and then this page here is fantastic. Charlie Catchpole, Man of the People. When a guy who looks like this, who's as red-faced as Charlie Catchpole is, what people? Whose people? This one relates to me personally. I was the voice of Bob the Builder in the United States for several years. Neil Morrissey did the voice here. Neil Morrissey was great. How's it going? Give a cup of tea. Wendy, bring the caravan room. You can't rebuild it. Oh, you can't. Like, Neil's awesome. He's really awesome. Uh, I was like, what if Paul McCartney was Bob the Builder, you know? Like, oh, it's good to play a song. Let's go. And then George, George Harrison is Wendy. Just tell me what you want me to build and I'll build it. <laughs> and then Mark is John Lennon or whatever. I don't want to mock it. Out, you know? uh, Bob fixed up like a village people raver. Bob the Builder has been renovated, first on TV in 1998 with his catchphrase, can we fix it? Yes, we can. 
Re, b, b, really? Up until 1998, what did he say? Uh, can't get to this till Wednesday. <laughs> you can't get the staff. You just can't get the staff. My lorry's in the shop. <laughs> I've dropped my spanner. I can't find it. <laughs> the fuck did he say before that? He's Bob the fucking builder. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. Is there going to be a bill? No, this is a fantasy world. This is Marigold Valley or whatever it was called. What was it called? Sunflower something. Didn't you say you did it? Only for five years. I don't remember everything about it. We used to record right over here on, in Soho, and I would go to Bar Italia and have an espresso, and then we'd have curry at lunch. Fucking love that gig. What was the voice, Greg? I'm doing it right now. Bob the Builder. Thank you. And then I would go, uh, and then, you know, Neil would go, Oh, there's a water bottle. We've got to go and get the water bottle in the Marigold Valley. And then I'd dub it in, right? We'd listen to it, and I'd watch it, and I'd go, Skip, go get Mac. <laughs> Remember, reduce, reuse, and uh, um, recycle. <laughs> You'd think I'd remember his catchphrase. All I remember is the curry. Sometimes Chinese food, for real. It was good. It was a good gig. Uh, should we reduce and reuse and recycle? Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, exactly. Or have Chinese food. The thing about Bob the Builder is he's aimed at two-year-olds. So when you're telling a two-year-old to recycle, yuck. What does a two-year-old possess that they can recycle? You know what I'm saying? Like a 35-year-old, yeah, put that fucking in the bin. Don't be an ass. A two-year-old, oh, don't put those diapers in there. Gross. I don't, I'm, I mean, but we're starting them young. I, yes, I get it. Uh, he now looks younger, taller, and slimmer. See, I was, I was with fat lesbian Bob. <laughs> His baggy dungarees... Oh, cock. Oh, Jesus, cock. I said we were going to leave. His baggy dungarees have been replaced with tight jeans. Fans complained on Twitter. He looks like someone who overcharges for a job, drinks Carling, and votes UKIP. <laughs> You've been the smartest cod in the world. I've been the smartest man in the world. Thank you very much for coming out. It's 11.10. I'm letting you go. Please catch the train. Every page you turn to the satchel page, every double page.